Hello everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of season three of our podcast when we met. Uh, just to give like a quick disclaimer about this entire episode, it's it's going to be like three friends having beer on a beach in Goa and talking about everything uh, around the internet, about human beings, philosophy, history, art, culture, whatever you want to talk about. So like I would ideally suggest you all to watch this or listen to this when, when you're like in a very cozy or a friendly kind of an environment, not like when you're going for work or going for jogging because it's gonna like spoil your mood entirely about your exercise or your routine. But today we're talking about how to have meaningful conversations on the internet. Something that I really, really feel a lot of people should, you know, listen or talk about, but very less information or less, let's say, norms or any understanding is available out there on the internet. And still people, I just see they're cribbing about ki why, you know, internet is too negative, social media is too negative and things like that. Let's, let's just try to uh, break that chain of thoughts around the internet that, you know, it's negative. It's really about what kind of space you build for yourself, what kind of friendships you build on the internet with people and how to really have meaningful conversations on the internet. Uh, before I introduce you all to these two friends or let's say my colleagues or professional friends, whatever you want to term them as, uh, I just want to tell you all about this brilliant, brilliant uh, fellowship that I was part of, which is called Bolti Ban. Ironically, uh, uh, Bolti Ban doesn't necessarily mean that we want to do your Bolti Ban. It's an intent to listen. Um, to what the other side or what people have to talk about or say about. And we'll talk more about this entire social enterprise by the co-founders of Bultiband itself. I am going to merge this call and invite Trina Talukdar and Janvi Chayant on the screen now. Thank you so much, both of you. I know this is going very formal, but it's not going to go formal from here onwards. It's going to be a very casual uh, conversation. Uh, let's start first with Janvi, if you want to introduce yourself formally, because for me, you're like my friend, I don't want to do that formal introduction. So please like, let's just begin with your, how, how, how do people know you? Like, uh, let's, let's, let's try to do this in a fun way. What, what are three sentences that people might tell, uh, when they are introducing Janvi to, let's say a third person, what are like three sentences, three, four sentences they might talk about you? Hi, uh, I'm Janvi. Most people don't use that name, uh, as we were just discussing. Uh, so I'm mostly known in the professional sector, either as Navi or Janu, and I'm really trying to change that. Uh, go back to Janvi. Um, I'm a dancer of 17 years. I'm a cat mom, um, and I love um, writing. And uh, a lot of times when people are introducing me, the two things they say is that she's either very, very opinionated and this people that both love me and very deeply dislike me say. Um, and uh, I think both of one's trying to maybe change that uh, opinion of my opinionatedness. Uh, and uh, the second thing is uh, people also start noticing whether it's good or bad, how uh, young I happen to be um, in the sector, in the impact sector in this country. Thank you so much, Janvi. Uh, Trina, why don't you introduce yourself as what people usually will tell three, four sentences about Trina? Um, Trina lives in Goa. Uh, this is the, the top sentence you will hear about Trina if you hear it anyone these days. <laughs> um, the second one is um, 
my main gig is I run an anti-trafficking organization out of Bombay called Kranti, where we work to empower uh, girls from the red light area in Mumbai to become social change agents. And the third thing is definitely uh, that Janu and I work together uh, to build Bolti Band, where we build dialogue between uh, politically polarized groups and individuals. Thank you so much for introducing. But I think Janvi is going to like bash you when she meets you in Goa or Bangalore, whenever that's going to happen. Uh, something I think I might have probably told you this before as well. I, I knew who is the founder or co-founder of Kranti, but I did not know it is the same Trina. So like when I met you, I did not know it's you, uh, but I just knew somebody who's like, okay, Trina named person runs this. Uh, How so, many people in this world called Trina Talukdar could there be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it just... It's not like my name is Neha Sharma. <laughs> it just never clicked me. And when, when I spoke to you, post that call is when I thought, oh, you're the same person who runs this also. So yeah, that's, that's how it happened. Moving to the conversation, because I know uh, we, we want to keep this to 30-35 minutes itself. And there's so many things that I want to ask you all. Um, before we begin up talking about the actual topic of how to have meaningful conversations on the internet, I think something that I never really learned and, and throughout this conversation, I'm going to keep, uh, the question specific to me itself. I don't want to, you know, assume that, you know, this is for a particular group of people, a class of people, a demograph of people. I want to keep it to, uh, myself itself. Um, I never really learned in school how to make friends. Or, you know, in life, my parents never told me, you know, how to really have a conversation with someone or how to really be friends with someone. It was always about, okay, if you like cricket, let's play cricket together. If you like sketching, drawing, or let's say debate or drama, you become friends with people who are in that particular group or interest group. But sometimes like for me, it was so difficult because I also liked cricket. I also liked being in theater and, you know, across diverse uh, uh, kind of people and the interest groups and I never really fit into one kind of a group. So people could not resonate me with, am I a sports kind of person or I should be friends with him or is he like a drama kind of person? So how to really make friends or let's say make connections in life, COVID world, pre COVID world, whatever that is, uh, how to really make connections is what I want to ask. Uh, from you because I'm I've had some horrible friendships and relationships lately but let's not get into that uh, anybody who wants to answer Trina if you want to go first yeah sure uh, I just want to start off by saying I, I really agree with you when you say that we don't teach children uh, to make friends in school right it's not an aspirational characteristic as a matter of fact we take everything children like doing together and turn it competitive so we're actually incentivizing competition and not making friends, right? Which I think really translates into what we see as our internet selves, where we're constantly trying to show our best selves and therefore win over others, right? That's what LinkedIn is. That's what we want more followers than other people. Um, so I think definitely the way we are brought up highly influences the adult selves we, we built for ourselves on the internet. Um, and... Um, I guess the question is, what, what do we do about that, right? Um, and I think 
we need to start uh, measuring and paying attention to children's social emotional skills as much as we do to them learning science. Like, for example, we know that at sixth grade, roughly when a child is about 12 years old, they should know algebra. That's the, that's how much a child can learn. And if they don't learn algebra by 12th grade, we're like, okay, this child needs special help or whatever, but we don't have that for social emotional skills, right? We don't say that, okay, if by the age of five, a child is not playing in the sand pit with other kids, then this child needs, you know, this is the level this child should be at and they need some extra help. And so the first thing we need to start doing is actually start a childhood and uh, notice their social emotional development as much as we notice any other development. You know, I actually think it goes deeper than um, us not being taught uh, how or us not teaching our children how to make friends. Because the first thing that came to my head when you said, you know, we're not um, taught as children how to make friends is something that we very commonly hear in workspaces also today. Uh, which is we're not here to make friends uh, and you know even when we're kids like we're at least my parents have been different but I've heard a lot of like my friends parents saying you know like you stop playing so much or stop trying to like rely on your friends so much family is all you've got and like you know you shouldn't be doing this their family is bad or this kid doesn't study well therefore you shouldn't hang out with them and sort of that focus on building community through friendships um, is never the center of our uh, you know, our, our, our priorities and our priorities always seem to like Trina was saying that seem to be focused on how do you get ahead in life? How do you be successful? Which is ironic because the two go in hand, but uh, you know, how do you be successful? And it's almost seen, you see friendships as the antithesis to being successful and being, um, you know, like good professionally. And I think that a lot of the experiences that kids have in terms of uh, learning how to bully, learning how to hate, uh, learning how to suppress it when they're, they've been bullied and they feel uh, badly about it or learning how to, um, you know, avoid drama, get out of toxic messes. All of those things are actually taught to us when we're taught not to be friends as kids. When we're told that kid doesn't speak English well, don't be friends with that kid. Um, and I, I think it goes deeper than, you know, being able to teach our friends how to be children. It also I think it's time to unlearn ourselves as adults that maybe friendships and personal connections are just as important, if not more important than professional connections, than profession itself. Yeah. And I think I was, while you were answering that, I was just thinking about, you know, in, in my college, there was this, the, the topper guy always used to study alone and, you know, it's like, like in the corner and how you're saying, you know, uh, whereas in, in my school time, every time, you know, I scored less marks. My parents used to be like, you know, spend less time with your friends and, you know, spend more time studying or join a class or something like that. So I I really feel that, yeah, maybe inherently, at least, you know, in the Indian culture, because like our goal is to go to college and things like that, whatever that is. Uh, That's why maybe they talk about, you know, a little anti things that, you know, don't, don't spend so much time with your friends or some things like that. But something like a sub question on that, which, which I very, very recently, you know, uh, heard in a YouTube video and I was like, oh, this is a thought that I never, you know, really gave attention to. So like before all of us in this whole era and, you know, people coming together, living together, things like that, we all were like separated different lands, like gorillas, bandar, yawa, jahape bhi wo reh reh, Africa, America, wherever that is. Okay. Let's not get into it. Ek second, ye kaun se era ke baare mein baat kariyo? Mein sochi yo COVID tum, gorilla, bandar. Then let's not get into that period of time where there were no humans. It's just apes and, you know, animals. 
ठीक है एंड स्लोली स्लोली समाओ वी गट कनेक्टेड एंड नाउ वी आर सो हाइपर कनेक्टेड लाइक थ्रू आर फोन्स एवरीबडी नोज एवरीथिंग लाइक पीपल कैन एक्चुअली ऑल्सो नो वेर यू वेर यू आर करंटली लाइक फेसबुक पे दिखता है कि तुम गोवा में हो या नहीं हो या फिर ई मेल पे दिखता है तुम ऑनलाइन हो या नहीं हो व्हाट्सएप वट एवर थिंग्स लाइक दैट डज हाइपर कनेक्टिविटी एंड कमिंग टूगेदर रियली मीन दैट वी आर ऑल्सो इन हारमनी डू यू थिंक वी बींग पार्ट ऑफ अ कम्युनिटी और वी बींग फ्रेंड्स विथ Ten thousand people on Facebook or whatever in real life, being friends with one thousand people, does it also mean being in harmony? Jan, me if you want to answer because I see you are nodding. Yeah, I, I don't think it means that at all. It could mean that for sure, but like it hasn't meant that so far. I I, I don't know too much about the history of how like social media happened, um, but from the snippets that I've heard of, it it's never seemed like the intent <clears throat> was to. was primarily to connect people on the basis of friendships was to create friendships online i think the intent has always remained something more or less transactional like how do you identify what a person is doing how do you stalk them without them knowing about this how do you know who's who how do you know which friend circles are more elite than the others how do you know what's happening what's not and i feel like this this transactional and even today like how we use social media right we hardly use it to be vulnerable to be to stay connected we use it to portray a picture of ourselves we use it to create a brand we use it to network to connect um and i, I that thread of like saying what it takes to be friends what it takes to make that connection is vulnerability um and is honest and authentic conversations that core is missing from this connection so i think this hyper connectivity is just sort of like we're all nodules in a network and we're connected so we can know information passes through this but connection i don't think it passes at all because that intent has never been there and uh, i may be pessimistic but i feel like we've gotten ourselves into deep enough a rut uh, down this hyper connectivity lane that we may not be able to get back to that intention of bringing vulnerability in Trina, if you want to answer something on that, yeah, um, and I'm gonna give a completely opposite take. Um, I'm not sure I agree with it, but I'm gonna propose it. Um, have you heard of singularity? Right. So the the singularity theory is that basically what will happen uh, as the hyperconnectivity increases exponentially is that uh, we'll all have a shared consciousness. on the cloud because basically all, all the information we'll learn it'll all come from the same cloud right and therefore we'll have essentially a shared consciousness there'll be no more conflict so on and so forth so the singularity theory is that we are currently in that upward take therefore there is conflict but once we get to singularity it it's they basically see like immortal human life sustainability complete sustain environmental sustainability all of this is the vision right and hyperconnectivity is key for that to happen i don't know if i agree with it um i, I think personally i'm like i have no idea what's going to happen in the future but it's an interesting theory for us to consider especially given what janvi said to see the other side got it i'm i'm going to i wanted to ask something about how janvi was saying that you know we we are just showing our vulnerabilities on on the internet or social media something like that but before i ask that question i want to ask this in an offline world like when 
you know it's it's about real connections real friendships and i and i don't know why i'm seeing real okay virtually also these are real connection because i have never met you i mean i've met janvi but rina i have never met you uh, but like i still feel it's a real connection but i just don't know how uh, you know it's it just feels key okay offline connections and that kind of is maybe it's just habitual um but what i was asking is do do you think like people uh, also show just like their positive side or you know just show their like success stories in the offline world also when when they are having connections or uh, because because i've fairly like heard in my circle that you know everyone has like that one person who they go to when they want to share something very vulnerable side of theirs but when you know you are happy it's it's something like totally open why do you think like we keep half of the side and the emotional side of our life entirely just too restricted to few people when everyone knows that you know in life we are going through all these emotions anger sadness disappointment upsetness hap- happiness anything that is there why do you think like habitually or fundamentally we we are very uh, you know like restrictive about the vulnerable emotions trina if you want to answer that um i really like that question pavan because what i was also what i've also been thinking is you know the conversation has been a lot about uh you know this is us in real life and how do we how is that uh influencing our online personality right and i think we we have come to a point in like the human technology relationship where i think our offline selves our, our online selves are actually influencing our offline selves by which i mean like i feel like i can go to a real life party and i still feel like people are talking to me like they're tweeting to me right where they're not sharing anything authentic they're trying to network rather than you know even in a real life friendly party situation right so i think that influences now become the other way around which is a little bit black mirror esque scary um so Uh, so so basically i was saying that you know thanks for asking that question because that that's been bothering me quite a bit uh but having let me let me have janvi answer the rest and then i'll come back because i also remember janvi uh you know in in last few months she was off social media if you want to like share that it's okay if you're not comfortable that's also okay yeah i i have been off social media i tend to agree with trina i think that your we've come so far and that's so that's what i meant right we're so deep down that hyper connectivity that it's starting to but i think it's not one way or another i think it's sort of a vicious cycle and we don't know what's influencing who and when um but i think that the core of it still started before we went online like and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in um, what we're taught as children right like vulnerability doesn't come easily to people um because we're taught not to be vulnerable we're taught to keep ourselves safe we're taught to and and that's just an evolutionary process you're supposed to keep away from predators you're supposed to safeguard your deepest darkest secrets and your fears so that nobody is out to get you i mean in today's world people are less out to get you than they were when we were hunting and gathering and obviously so on and so forth right but we're still taught very very deeply and maybe more so in indian culture to keep our emotions hidden um so even in real life when we sort of as adults start um exhibiting our emotions 
it's accidental or it happens just because it becomes too much to bottle up and then it comes out and if we're lucky then we find people who you know are, are the opposite of our parents who used to tell us ki rona mat rona galat hai don't do this chillana mat chillana galat hai kyu yaar ye sare natural emotions hi to hai but if we happen to find adults who tell us no no it's good like let your emotions out and we happen to make those connections great most people aren't that lucky but that space for accidentally letting out your vulnerability that doesn't exist online because it's so hyper curated right because you're constantly behind a wall and you get to choose every single word or letter that you put out there and so that doesn't allow any space for accidents and so it creates this entire virtual world where only positivity exists i mean even all these posts about uh, you know our failures and how we got over it the focus is on how we got over it nobody starts a story of like i suck everything sucks life sucks dot that never happens right because uh, there is no space for that to accidentally happen and now we're letting that influence like our offline world and closing down on that accidental space even in our offline world and i feel like i'm getting very very pessimistic over the duration of this call <laughs> that okay i mean if, if the whole world is this way doomed <laughs> yeah it's okay i'm i'm just i was just thinking um you know because you were talking about uh parents childhood and you know ye nahi karna chahiye wo nahi wo nahi karna chahiye i think something that uh very prominently i think a lot of parents must have told their kids is to jhoot nahi bolna chahiye kuch bhi ho tum sach bolo jhoot jhoot nahi bolna kuch bhi kiya ho tumne but but don't lie to us whereas i think on the internet today everybody is lying irrespective of you know what their feelings are or something's like that when when they have an agenda whatever professional agenda to you know they're going to lie in any way i can i can just give you an example um i i had a crush on this girl uh and you know she she kept uh, let's say sharing memes or you know uploading stories or whatever and even when i did not like some of those memes i used to react ha 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 on it or you know anything to a certain extent it's a lie it's it's fake or whatever you want to call it or anything like that just giving like a random example people also lie to a much bigger extent where you know just for the sake of gathering attention or gaining traction on social media they will tweet about a particular topic about a particular opinion where you know they feel no it's it's not going to be um you know very much like at attention grabbing if if they don't lie about an opinion they they won't get that attention do you think it has become like a very habitual thing to lie on the internet today to have let's say more meaningful conversations let's let's ignore the word meaningful to have more connections or to have more traction on the internet do you think it's like a compulsion to lie Trina, if you want to, or Janvi, anybody wants to answer. I don't think it's like separate. So, like lying, like what you're calling white lies. Uh, I, I'm going to stay away from like misinformation and the spread of like uh, alternative facts and all of that. I'm not touching that from like with a thirty foot long pole. But just this like white lying. I don't think it's exclusive to online interfaces. I mean, if if I have a crush on someone and I meet them at a restaurant and uh even if they're looking subpar i'm going to tell them that they're looking great at that point and like that's an offline interaction right that's not an online interaction so i don't think like we can make that distinction but what changes online is and this is when you start steering towards the misinformation space lies tend to be easier online uh they tend to gain more traction because misinformation spreads just by the mechanism of things 
And again, because of that wall that exists where it's not really you looking into someone else's eye and lying, it becomes easier to lie online. Like I can very easily put out a statement that I didn't write, a friend of mine wrote, and I just had to copy paste it and say it. Same thing if I have to go and stand in front of someone and say it out loud, it's going to be that much harder. So I think that that is the only difference. But I don't think lying is um, exclusive to online. And frankly, I don't think white lying is wrong. Misinformation, spreading false facts, very wrong. Very, very wrong. But white lies, not so wrong. So um, I feel like it doesn't have to be a lie. And I'll actually give like, say, a professional example, not a, not a crush type example, right? So let's say there's someone on LinkedIn I want to connect with and I have a specific ask. I want them to join my board or something, right? But that's not what I'm going to open the conversation with. I'm going to say, this is what I'm doing. I want your thoughts on it. Would love to, you know, get your advice or something like that, right? Um, I wouldn't like... I would say like, it's possible to be truthful about that, right? It doesn't have to be a like, I'm not lying to get their attention. Like, no, I genuinely now in this first conversation, want to just get your thoughts on it. And that conversation is going to be valuable to me, regardless of if I make an ask and you give it to me at the end and you join my board or not, right? So I feel like um, it is not a compulsion to lie to be able to form meaningful relationships. If we, if the in, the intent to form a meaningful relationship can be real, and to you know start conversations from that intent, without make the intent real, then it's not a lie. So let me reframe it. Is it easier to have a connection or conversation on the internet if you're using white lies or just lying? I mean, it might be easier, right? But what is the long-term game here, right? So say it's a romantic interest and you're saying, you know, I, 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 you know, make this much money or I have this car, like what's the end game? Like you don't, what is going to be, you know, so it's not a meaningful relationship. It's not going to go anywhere when they find out you're lying. And similarly, professionally, right? In a, in a, if professionally you say, I have these certifications or I have this much work experience, but you don't, then what's the end game here? So like, yeah, and I also it's think pointless. the intent matters. Like, uh, if you're lying about, uh, like, liking a meme, then I, I wouldn't even call it a lie. Like, I, I, I wouldn't categorize those things as lies because, like, maybe for all of us, like, lying in itself takes a very uh, heavy gravity, like, moral tone, right? Like, lying and honesty and lying and all of that. But, uh, like, there was this funny story I heard recently in my circles where uh, these two people were flirting online. Uh, the one of the people appeared to really love this movie and you know they c continued talking about this movie a lot and then this other person said oh you just like this like lead character in the movie and that's when the conversation got more interesting that's when they got to the next level and everything um, and later when this person the second person was asked like oh like do you really like that movie they're like I have no clue I've never watched the movie but like I think it really depends on those two people like who are interacting if they're the kind of people who engage a lot in white lies and again I don't think it's an online offline distinction it's just like who you are and how you tend to engage with white lies or not but like with bigger lies of course I agree with Trina like what's the end game but someday the truth is going to catch up whether online or offline and maybe online even more so because all the information is out there. Here's, here's like a professional example for it. Do you think it's okay to lie on your resume to get a job? That's career because, side. Like. Because Papa, the, the topic of this, the topic of this uh, podcast is meaningful relation, how to form meaningful. If you were 
starting that relationship by lying on your resume that's not going to be a meaningful relationship it's disqualified this question this example is disqualified the Good. moderator for this conversation is disqualified okay i'm going to move from this lying uh wale questions and ask you something that i personally face um it's people really feel that you know i am a different person on linkedin i am a different person on twitter on facebook to kuch aur hi and instagram kuch aur whatsapp pe kuch aur and in real life something else altogether um but people fail to understand that i i am the same person like like it's it's just my different opinion about different things and one common problem that i always face is when i when i change my opinions which is very natural let's say for example i i i did not eat non veg like 5 years back but today i like it i have changed my opinion about a certain thing or food or situation whatever that is whereas on the internet it's not really very acceptable let's or i would say very openly acceptable to have people let's say change their opinions and i'm i'm talking about from my example like if i if i put out an example uh, opinion about let's say arnab goswami or anybody kunal kamra or anything like that uh, and you know people who have similar opinion they'll be like oh this guy is our friend but let's say after a few few weeks few months i change my opinion that no i have reflected on this i have introspected about this particular situation and i feel that no this is not really true and i i think this this is what i really feel today and it's it's just not very widely accepted why do you think normalizing opinion evolution or changing opinions is not very acceptable is it acceptable I, offline like have you that i'm again trying to think of this as a distinction between online and offline right and even offline once we've said something once we've formed like this persona the minute that you change that and the subtlest example of this is say you're a homebody say you're an introvert and you like to stay in your room all the time the one day that you come out of your room and you're trying to socialize with your parents they're going to be like are ye dekho ye aa gaya and they're going to like start mocking you for it right so that kind of like change and growth is again and something that requires vulnerability something that requires an acceptance of failure something that requires an acceptance of not everything's going to be dandy all the time right and that doesn't exist offline like i don't think that people are allowed to freely grow or freely evolve even offline and again online because those walls exist because it's all out there and it's all you can go back and look at your tweet from 6 months ago someone all they need to do is just like be sitting in bed and like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and they can look at your entire history of opinions so it's just easier to access change there and see the change more obviously online and so i think it becomes easier to become harsh about uh, that growth or that evolution and like critique it online so again i don't think it's an online only thing but it's definitely conflated online so let me speak about the difference that i see then therefore between online and offline interactions since charmi spoke about the similarity So this is what happens in real life, right? So, uh, for example, let's say my family uh, doesn't, you know, is is biased against Muslims. But what they'll say is, you know, like we don't like Muslims. You know, they have all these like superstitions against Muslims. But uh, your friend Amira is fine because they know Amira personally, right? She's come home, we've hung out. She's a real human being versus this like unknown entity of Muslims that they hold all these beliefs about, right? online the off online that doesn't exist right it's easier to therefore hate 
Muslims because there is no personally knowing my friend Amira. So I think that is the that is where a difference comes in between online and offline, and it becomes easier to hate online because we don't personally know these people. Got it. And you know something while you were just. Uh, talking, it it just hit me that you know last week when we were doing this uh, Bolti one conversation with Chweta Shalini, the last question that we asked her was you know politicians or in general leaders on the internet or even in real life they get trolled so much. They you know people are constantly talking for them or against them. Like the numbers vary. Sometimes they are big enough for for and sometimes big big enough for against. And I I I asked, I asked her that you know how do you build that emotional strength to you know accept all these things to go through all these things to even listen or read those comments that you're going through do you think in order for us to have meaningful conversations or connections on the internet it's also important for us to build a little emotional strength even before we let's say get started uh, let's let's take for example let's say online dating if if you want to you know start online dating uh, do you should you like have some ground rules for yourself or prepare yourself emotionally that you know i'm not going to get too invested into this or things like that what do you think how should we have an emotional strength or build up before even starting to have meaningful conversations or connections so um uh, let me go back uh, to answer this question let me go back to your uh, last question as well a little bit right where you were saying that how do we normalize changing our opinions the reason it's not normalized is because changing our opinions is seen as a sign of weakness that my argument was not strong enough i lost right whereas i think the reality is the opposite only someone who's actually very secure about themselves is someone who will change their opinions right uh, and the reason i'm i'm talking about that to answer this question about should someone make themselves emotionally resilient um i think yes but what emotionally resilient specifically would mean i would say is be sure enough about yourself that you are willing to listen to other people you're not feeling threatened by what someone else might say and that that will change your opinion because you're so you're sure of yourself so you're not threatened by someone else's opinion right so i i would say yeah like one way to form meaningful relationships on the internet is to be secure enough about ourselves to really listen to others I, and and that's and and therefore changing an opinion is a is a sign of strength yeah opposite of what we believe yeah i absolutely agree with that and i think that another angle i want to go back to that question to another angle of why it's so hard to watch other people grow and evolve and change their opinions is people aren't stupid they don't um consciously think that you know this person is fickle that often times when they have to tell themselves that someone else is fickle where that hate comes from is from self hate right it's from a place of like maybe i'm fickle maybe i'm weak maybe i'm projecting that onto someone else and i want to think of you know all of us on the internet not as you know like victims or perpetrators of troll and abuse or uh, either like so essentially that right victims or perpetrators of whatever kind of troll and abuse happens on the internet we're all on both sides um at different points in time and whether we initiate the hate or respond to the hate with hate and escalate the hate it's all coming from a space of lacking that core emotional resilience in ourselves to be secure in ourselves 
and to therefore project that secure emotional resilience onto the other person so if we are feeling weak and shaken and fragile and feeble within ourselves that's exactly what we're going to project onto the other person that's what we're going to try to make them also feel like but if we're feeling more secure if we're feeling more resilient even if an attack comes our way we're not going to escalate it even if something horrific is being said and we really really do want to attack it at that point we're not going to attack it even if someone's an abuser and we want to call them out we're going to call them out respectfully or we're going to do what makes most meaningful sense instead of just viciously attacking which all of us i think in this room like we're a set of liberal uh, people i think we're all guilty of having done it at some point right like calling out the right and doing it really viciously but that also comes i think from a space of not being emotionally secure so both ways whether you're the victim whether you're the perpetrator and often times you're both um you it really takes a lot of core strength and emotional like security in yourself which comes only through healing to be able to not project that onto the online space and therefore onto everybody else got it and you know i was just thinking about you know the very first uh, question also that uh, like if coming together really means harmony and something that you know i randomly heard somewhere you know on the internet like uh, this person told me that the first step towards coexisting is acceptance once you accept that you know you are dependent on let's say on nature there's this interdependence and you can very naturally see this in the environment also like trees oxygen carbon dioxide whatever in biologically or naturally whatever phenomena is there at the same time whenever you are trying to have let's say a offline or online connection with someone the very first step is to accept you know who they are as a person or who you are as a person and and i think more than accepting who they are as a person i really really feel that you know you should be very very self aware about you know what are your beliefs what what is something that you like dislike and all those things but not very often people are self aware and conscious about their own self what do you think how can someone you know start being more self aware about themselves in terms of their beliefs ideologies or anything like that because i really feel that's the first step towards having uh meaningful and i know you would i can't believe you asked this question i said so no please wait <laughs> guys the answer to pavan's question is join the bolti bandh fellowship <laughs> Boltiban.org backslash fellowship. I was <laughs> I was actually uh, different now and say like you can't ask you can't ask these questions to people, Pavan, because the only people who know this are people who have achieved Zen or Nirvana. They're basically gods now. Like we mere mortals like us don't know how to start self self improvement and self awareness projects. I think <laughs> no, but to like. think about your question seriously i think you're right i think it comes first from space of acceptance and acceptance that things are not okay um speaking like i i won't speak for everyone i'll speak for my own like personal journey i am nowhere close to being fully self aware but i am more self aware today than i was 5 years ago and 4 years ago i was more self aware than i was 5 years ago and i'm more self aware today than i was 1 year ago but i think it's just this journey constant journey and you're never going to be fully self aware so maybe the first step is to just accept that that we're human and that we will fail and that it's not a linear journey we're not going to get better every day 
there are days when we will be the absolute worst versions of ourselves that there ever can be. And then the next day we may become better. But just to really truly accept that this is the way that things are in this present moment. And then from there, show ourselves the compassion that we would show our most favorite person in the world. Um, truly, like I think a lot of times when Trina and I have been having our meltdowns with each other, I mean, here's something for people who don't know, we're also best friends um, and have been for five, six years now. But when we are fighting or having meltdowns or even at each other's throats, um, about not being like our best selves, what we say to each other is often is how would you treat me now if I were in this position that you are in? Treat yourself the same way. Um, and I think so moving from acceptance to then turning to compassion and then just knowing that it's you're always going to keep trying. Like It's a never-ending journey and that trying is what matters most, that you wake up every day, show up and then you try again. I think for me personally, that's, yeah, that's been my mantra. Trina, if you want to answer on that. No, I think we share that mantra. So I'm not going to spend um, any more time, but it's just something we practice in our lives. Um, and I, I think like, what do we do to be more self-aware? Everything. Be mindful every time, right? There's a lesson to be learned from getting late on the way to work. There's a lesson to be learned from a friendship that worked or didn't work or, you know, just... So just be mindful of all our life experiences, learn whatever we can from it, good or bad. Don't you think on the internet, it's a little ironical that um, people are so interested in others' life, you know, stalking what this celebrity is eating, what is this celebrity Kabacha is wearing, where is he going and things like that. And not really, you know, being observant or aware about your own life. Like how, how often, I mean, I do I this think, often. Like, I think it's for the... No, I was just saying that I think it's the same reason that Bollywood has been like Karan Johar and Sanjay Leela Bansali make popular Bollywood movies, right? It's because most people's reality sucks. And if we can escape that and be entertained by, you know, um, Karina Kapoor and Saif Ali Khan's super cute kid, why would we want to think about our life? I think also like it's, it's not just the stalker mentality that most people, I'm going to get... Uh, bats for saying this, but I don't think it's just the stalker mentality that most people hold. It's also a very highly narcissistic endeavor to be on social media, right? But that also minimizes the self-awareness because instead of listening to yourself and tuning into what you're going through, who you are and what's happening, you start painting a picture. Before you've heard the story of yourself, you're already drawing a story that you want ideally the rest of the world to see. That's what I mean by a narcissistic endeavor, right? Like you're highly curating your own life and what it's supposed to look like and whether this will work or that will work and all for an audience's eye, you're really not listening to yourself. So, uh, I mean, another product placement, but um, before you listen to other people, people unlike yourself, you really have to also be able to listen to yourself. And Trina, you were saying about singularity earlier, right? Like the single consciousness, but um, I think the translation or the jump from having a single consciousness to saying that is the reason that conflict won't exist. I think that that is fallacious, right? So, because we're all people who walk around with single consciousness. I have a single consciousness and you have a single consciousness, but you and I both have contradictions inside of us that we fail to listen to. I, I do things that I'm like, wait, that's not at all like Janvi, but Janvi did it nevertheless. And 
I'm going to hide that fact. I'm going to deny that fact and paint this picture on social media of the Janvi that I like the most of myself. And therefore, I'm depriving myself also of that chance to listen to myself. So I think it's both ways there. Yeah, and I think I'm going to just insert the Netflix dark series dialogue. What we know is a prop. <laughs> what we don't know is an ocean. I, I absolutely love that series. Okay. I, I can do like a full charcha about uh, that, but maybe some other day. Next episode. Yes. <laughs> Here's my last question, which might sound like a product placement, but it's not. Um, <laughs> I know it's very hard to run uh, a social enterprise. Um, and very, very hard. I mean, different challenges altogether. What people feel business it's, it's, I think it's 2x, 5x, 10x in a social enterprise. Uh, I'm definitely going to insert the link of Bolti Bant, uh website in the description of this episode. But that's not what I want to ask. I want to ask, why did you feel there is a need of something like Bolti Bant to exist in this world? Uh-huh. Who has been? I think I think Janvi, we should tell our own personal stories. So there's a, there's a reason both of us share, but I think there's more value in sharing what it was for us personally. So I'll go first because mine's shorter. I think. Pavan, um, it started from a very personal space where I felt like we needed to build dialogue between people who disagree, because I felt like. I was having so many debates that were turning into arguments and conflicts with my own family members, with my friends who I do have long-standing meaningful relationships with. But because the only form of conversation we seem to know to have about an issue is a debate, which becomes about who's right and who's wrong, and there's a winner and loser. Uh, these conversations, you know, were were becoming conflicts, and I didn't want to. I want to be able to talk to my father about politics without us slamming the table and you know being angry with each other for three days. And so I really started Bolti Band and said I want to find a way to have this dialogue that doesn't become a conflict, so I can talk to people who I have meaningful relationships with and yet disagree with on certain things. Yeah, mine mine is um, similar that in that it started from a really personal space. Um, for me, it, it I I when I look back now, I realize it started much before my experiences in college. But for uh, the sake of chronological narration, I will start with college. Um, I went to a college which had students from over eighty different countries, all stuck in one place, and we are young, angsty uh, kids, right? And it's it's easy to say like so the college's intent was of course uh, Minerva was to bring all of these kids together and create this like global community um but community isn't created merely on the positive intent of creating one only once you put all of those people together do you start recognizing that there's a lot of fractures um in the community that you would have never expected to have. Um, So one example is how different cultures perceive the idea or the concept of consent. Um, And so what that led to the kind of conversations or the kind of uncomfortable situations um, or incidents that that led to within the community, right? Uh, But how it started was like, here was this group of incredible people that I really liked, that I got along really well with. We all shared similar visions, similar aspirations. And then suddenly, because of a few small cultural aspects of like differences, 
we were so fractured. I started hating some of these people, like with all my heart. I was super angry, just super irritated. Um, and parallelly, this was happening with my father, where him and I politically well disagreed on uh, the like what sexual assault is and whose fault it happens to be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And for almost a year, I didn't have a proper relationship with my father. I didn't speak. Uh, I, I spoke almost zero words to him. But then. Once I'd given myself that sort of space to be angry, to be resentful, and to feel like I was the victim, I started missing those connections. I started missing those people. Like those people, for all the disagreements that we had, were still people that I truly loved. And something was wrong there. Something wasn't quite sitting right, right? Like I had gotten over my fear. I'd gotten over my abuse. I was able to speak up all of that, sure. But I had only created rifts between Um and I think that's when I think I almost sort of felt compelled to listen because I was craving those connections. Um, and it was organic. It wasn't planned. It wasn't a strategy. I didn't read books to do this. I just like went into a room and I was like, just speak your mind. Like, I don't know. I want this connection to be fixed. Say what you will. Um, but as I went through that journey and as Trina was barely going through her journey, we sort of started talking and we joke about this a lot, right? Like even about the fellowship where like, this is really a decoy for us to be able to go through incredible experiences and meet incredible people. Uh, that's why Bhutiban exists. But really it is from that space. Like it's been a really organic journey for us where we've turned something that was really personal and compulsive. It came it almost came to us because it had to, like I survived because I was able to create Boltiban. Um, and that's why it exists today. So it comes from that really deep personal space that Boltiban should exist so that I can also exist. Got it. And I think I've, I've told you maybe this before, or I might have not told you is I always had these beliefs whenever, you know, you, you are in an argument, it necessarily doesn't mean that you want to break your paths away or, you know, you just want to leave the person or leave this relationship. Arguments are also like kind of like a way to strengthen the relationship, friendship, whatever you have, but it's, it's just that, you know, that, that understanding is sometimes not there. So for me being part of the Boltipan fellowship was more like practicing that listening capability and understanding capability because how you learn and gain this emotional strength is through practicing only, right? It's, it's, it's like a mental exercise and it's, it's like a muscle. It's not just like how randomly you will read books and you know, it will happen. The more you have difficult conversations with people, the more you are part of those, let's say arguments or the more you listen to the other side or to people is, is when you become aware of it. And when, when you become better at it, so I think that's, that's been like an exercise for me and like, thank you so, so much uh, for having me part of that. And, you know, it, it, it has just given me like a whole uh, emotional strength altogether and to really, really have more meaningful conversations, not just on the internet, but also in the offline world with my parents and everyone. So like, I thank you. I just want to say thank you, like publicly. This is like my public uh, thank you to both of you and Funders, uh, funders, I hope you're listening. <laughs> and, and and for everyone who's watching or listening to this, please, please, I'm going to uh, mention the link to their website in the description of this episode. Just check it out. I mean, it's so cool. Cool. You'll, you'll just like, like, just go to the website and you'll, you'll be like, oh, wow, this is very interesting. Um, but thank you so much, Trina and Janvi for, uh, you know, giving me your time. I know because of... Our pleasure, my... completely. Thank you for having us here. It's been really fun. 
I really hope like we can have we can continue this conversation. Next time let's do wow. it with the beer. I don't know what the legality is around having a beer in the podcast is, but <laughs> next time I would like to have it for real. Like Elon Musk and online. <laughs> Elon Musk can spoke weed on a podcast recording so at least we we are like we can drink beer yeah yeah we could do definitely okay that's for the next one okay <laughs> thank you so much sina bye guys be part of this conversation and thank you so much everyone for listening to this or watching this it's available on spotify apple podcast google podcast wherever you want to and if you have any question just just reach us on instagram